हमने ये हमेशा देखा है कि साइंस जो है इसकी हाईजैकिंग इट्स पार्ट एंड पार्सल ऑफ ऑफ डूइंग साइंस हर बार जब जब कोई साइंटिस्ट बेचारा पांच साल काम करके पेपर रिलीज करता है इन इनवेरिएबली व्हेन दिस व्हेन देयर वर्क रीचेस द मार्केट प्लेस ऑफ आइडियाज देयर विल बी लाइक एट और टेन यू नो पब्लिकेशन हु आर लाइक द बस फीड स्टाइल ऑफ साइंस कम्युनिकेशन दे विल इनएविटेबली पिक दिस अप एंड पैकेज इट इन अ वे दैट इज interesting to their audience and once they do that then a uh, sadguru esque uh, figure will try to figure out uh, how they can sell more copper rings uh, using uh, some latest paper that came out uh, to show that wearing a copper ring produces good vibration and therefore you should give him 3000 rupees for inner engineering course <laughs> Welcome to the Desi Academia podcast. Uh, this is uh, recording attempt two. Uh, due to technical difficulties, our amazing uh, podcast episode was lost, uh, and uh, we are going to attempt this for the second time. Uh, this is episode three, and today we would like to discuss uh, the methodology of science and what is science. Uh, so um, let's start with Batsal. Uh, what do you think is science? <laughs> so. um in my very naive uh, understanding of uh, everything that i do and what i understand of science i think if i have to sum it up in one sentence that is uh, that would be science is just an attempt to explain the natural phenomena that is around us and uh, uh, i just want to make clear that by natural phenomena i uh, i mean Uh, things that we can observe empirically it could be visual it could be audible it could be any any uh, uh, empirical way of uh, reco- uh, putting down things and making those observations that would be science for me to attain a better understanding of uh, everything around us including ourselves Yeah. and i th- i think this gives uh, this leads us to an interesting uh, question uh, which is um, how do we distinguish between uh, science and uh, theorization of the metaphysical because both right. employ a vaguely scientific sounding language both of them have jargon <laughs> both both of these involve like a, a a process of elimination as it were to uh, to come to uh, given conclusions and to an un, to to someone who maybe isn't paying attention they might both seem quote equally logical so uh, ha- what tools do we have at our disposal which uh, help us distinguish between uh, the process of science and the process of theorizing about the metaphysical aditya so i think there are some basic tenets which is like testability which is like you have a hypothesis you either falsify it or you either prove it and then you also have clarity over the conditions under which a certain hypothesis testing was done what are the experimental conditions if if there are certain assumptions what were those assumptions and given all of this if someone in london and someone in bombay or someone in patna does this experiment all of them should probably arrive at the 
same conclusion given they have followed the same set of assumptions and same set of conditions right so that that and then either yes or no should be their answer like given given how it is like and and if if it is a yes if the hypothesis is true why is it true it is a if it was false then why is it false and all of this can be explained under the set of some first principles and each field has its own first principles so and those first principles lead towards an answer like in physics you have dimensionality right so so when you derive an equation first thing to look at is okay does it have the fundamental dimension is like mass length and time does all of this fall into some set of dimensionality in some sense so 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 these are the certain set of first principles that will lead you towards an answer and then you try and come up, arrive at some sort of universality to why certain phenomenon is happening and so so there is this empirical evidence that you have first and the evidence itself is in science and you try and then fit that evidence or a certain set of observations within a theoretical framework and then you try and address this question as to whether the theoretical framework that i attribute to this set of assumptions is that framework itself correct or not and then you have to then probably test out multiple different theoretical frameworks each of which would satisfy a certain set of observations so so the falsifiability of all of this is actually central to this theory where metaphysical explanations sometimes differ significantly from this is is the absolute nature of their proclamations right so so what religion sometimes does is देखो साइंस ने 50 साल पहले कुछ बोला आज वो खुद अपने आप को डिस्प्रूव कर रहे हैं दैट इज एक्चुअली अ फीचर नॉट अ बग वेर एज विथ रिलीजियस टेक्स्ट यू वुड रेयरली सी दिस हैपनिंग सो दैट फॉल्सिफाइबिलिटी इज बिल्ट इन चेक्स एंड बैलेंसेस दैट अलाउ दिस सिस्टम टू इवॉल्व नॉलेज टू इवॉल्व so just to add to that i mean what aditya just said in certain ways i mean science evolves by uh, adding more evidence to whatever we already know right and some people might call it as retrofitting which the pseudo science or the religion usually does and i just want to make that very clear that uh, that is where i mean the methodology comes in very handy and we need to define what scientific method or methodology uh, uh, means right because when science evolves there is a certain methodology to it because you define your hypothesis you look at what evidence already exists and then you add more uh, evidence on top of it to basically modify uh, the current understanding of whatever you were testing right but what religion does is that every time there is something that new comes up it just retrofits itself without uh, explaining how it did that and the methodology is usually missing over there right I, i and i don't mean that quoting this verse and this and then uh, interfering or inferring some uh, weird meanings out of it like what was the correct methodology so with that i think it's a good segue for us to also define what scientific methodology means just one one last uh, add on point to that so in many ways uh, i think religion and metaphysics benefits from keeping things vague whereas a successful scientific trial or a theory that has been established 
will spell out the specifics in very detailed ways. So, so like no scientific experiment or no scientific observation will proclaim to be absolute in a holistic sense. Like, yehi hoga. COVID-2025 mein khatam ho jayega. Matlab, you won't have proclamations which are as absolute as that. So you will have like, there will always yeah, this be is a degree. exactly of, what I meant what by defining the scientific methodology mm-hmm. behind uh, the evolution of science, basically. Yeah, and um, I think another important thing to note here is uh, like how attached are people to the ideas that they propose. So if a person, let's forget the science versus religion debate here, but say a person predicts that uh, uh, based on certain tests and certain calculations that they did, the world will end in X year. And when uh, when they are de- proven demonstrably false, what happens to the people who believe them? Are they able to let go of the hypothesis and and decide that they were wrong and move on to a new idea or move on to a new project or a new thesis? Or does the fact that they were not proven <laughs> right uh, become a question of uh, you know having faith in in uh, whatever it is that is making the universe uh, do what it does. And uh, like, I think we can see that not that scientists are, uh, are uh, you know, not uh, guilty of uh, getting too attached to their, uh, to their proposed ideas. But like overall, like uh, it, it would be important uh, for us to note here that like there are communities which are invested in disproving um existing um, ideas and there are communities which are uh, more invested in proving uh, existing ideas and uh, yeah the, this distinction can tell us uh, a lot about uh, about whether it is a, a discussion of uh, of scientific ideas or the metaphysical <laughs> so so what happens to people when when these ideas are proven wrong in, in, in religion, say astrology, for example. So often astrology falls flat, right? But the but the reason it works is there is a always a positive selection bias when it comes to something like astrology. So what will happen is that for the hundred ex- examples where they've gone wrong, there will always be that one stochastic yeah. example where they've also gotten it right like and something like say Nostradamus and what he says the vagueness of it is such that you can just fit anything onto it so it's so so labile in some sense that it'll have verses like the man with a blue turban under the Himalayas like it could be anybody right so and and you have a vague semblance of something that matches onto that verse you just attribute it to that so there's always that wanting to believe something and that ad- which is what gives it strength it's not this falsifiability and essentially what Watsal mentioned so that, that methodology really was, isn't followed uh, saying i mean isn't that what karl popper in 19th century already said right i mean scientists or anybody who's pursuing science i mean they should actively uh, look to disprove their theories and their hypotheses in in an attempt to evolve your understanding of whatever you want to understand right? not actively try and uh, prove your hypothesis by hoken or by crook so that's an important 
and a theory or an hypothesis is always limited by the observations that you have in hand and the observations that you have in hand in a say a natural sciences for example is limited by the technology that you have in hand very often so so you so you are then constrained by everything works within a set of limitations but then science can continue to add on the updated knowledge and then rework these theories which which is again like always used against science as its weakness like when you when you are a proponent of someone who prescribes to a religious faith uh, the first thing that you use to go after science is that how often does it prove itself wrong which which is exactly the point like that's built into the methodology which which is why like the the general question here is that who do you define as a scientist is it someone who practices a degree in science like has done an engineering degree does that person automatically become a scientist or do they ha- prescribe to a scientific way of life that that's the question or or do you, or you do do you in other words like do you limit this definition of a scientist to just someone who practices who is indulging in this profession of science on a daily basis that is a great question and um, I, i would take a inclusivist position here um, there is a certain degree of gatekeep- gatekeeping that happens um, where people within an institution might feel entitled to the tag that comes with being part of an institution and as far as uh, being a scientist is concerned science existed before the institutions right like there if we if we talk about the many of the interesting um, archaeological and scientific discoveries of the late 18th and 19th centuries a lot of them were just like rich dudes who are people i should say who had nothing better to do in life and uh, so they were like ha chal archaeology karte hai chal thoda ye karte hai chal like let, let's learn like this random language or uh, let's let's uh, invest some money into in inventing like some new technology and a lot of this happened uh, like outside of w- what is considered uh, academia right and uh, and and so we we know that like science uh, is the domain of of the practitioner and uh, our practitioner can be can be anywhere it can be a school student it can be a it can be someone who is a farmer it can be uh, somebody who is you know trying to get a phd like as far as uh, uh, excluding people from the label of scientist is concerned i think it also uh, impacts people who are not part of uh, stem uh, departments and so uh, you know when when we try to uh, have a narrow definition of who is a scientist uh, it might accidentally exclude uh, someone who is an anthropologist who is uh, trying to uh, assess the uh, the date and history of a pottery shard uh, that is 1200 years old and their principles may not match the principles that a theoretical physicist uses but we know that both of uh, that in both of these cases there is uh, there is a very strict uh, methodology that is being followed uh, in order to reach certain conclusions so uh, there is uh, uh, I, w- i would say uh, that everyone is a scientist if they if they choose uh, to be one i think it is important to uh, understand that every field has a scientific uh, 
component and when we try to distance a field uh, from uh, scientific principles uh, we open a field say uh, history is a very common example to being hijacked by people who have uh, agendas and who think that because this field is not quote unquote scientific anybody can can do any kind of theory and be equal to someone who spent like two decades uh, trying to uh, research a topic whether they did it, did it inside academia or outside is immaterial so essentially what we are trying to also add to this is that uh, the the word science so often is so loosely used and and we often like misunderstand it to excluding everyone outside the stem essentially which we wouldn't like to do right that's that's essentially the rider that we want to place here like when we keep using this term science for the rest of this podcast it really doesn't mean that we don't consider an anthropologist or a or a anybody say, someone who is looking at anyone yeah, in the I social mean, sciences for example like they are all equally scientists as long as they subscribe to this uh, yeah. uh, scientific methodology and deriving results and testing them on the basis of some exactly. i agree i mean anybody who uh who defines their uh methodologies properly and follow the basic tenets of science it's basically they are doing science and the degrees or mm-hmm. the doctorates that the scientist that makes you quote unquote a scientist it just i mean it's yes you you can call yourself a scientist uh, by profession but that's just to facilitate whatever you wanted to do in in a very complicated way right anybody can be a scientist as long as uh, you you are curious enough to have observations and then you look at those observations and you want to understand uh, what goes behind those observations so you define your hypothesis you do experiments and by experiments i just don't mean that you mix chemical a and mix chemical b it can be any empirical observations and then yeah and and it's something as as fundamental as like say someone who is in the business of like who makes like yogurt at home on a daily basis that person is actually literally going through the scientific method in many ways without actually calling it that right so you dosa ka agar fermentation batter ka koi kar raha hai so literally you are just testing it out that okay ye is bartan mein agar itna itne der ke liye bahar rakha aur itne der ke liye fridge mein rakha to kya hoga or like dahi jamne ke liye kitna time lagta hai so all of that essentially they are if you were to pull, put it loosely actually ah, exactly. following a methodology in some sense on a daily basis but uh, or even go to a more absurd scenario if you hear knocking sounds from your attic at night uh, every every night at like 3 am the one way of looking at it would be ki bhoot aa gaya niche okay so that's first hypothesis like assumption second is that okay there are some rodents and then if if you assume that there are rodents then how do you go about testing it so you you actually try and go through this process of elimination on a daily basis and it has nothing to do with uh, the business of science in many ways it's a way of life as a lot of hindus like but i thought hindus hinduism is a way of life so does that mean hinduism is science <laughs> wow <laughs> guruji golwalkar has entered the chat 
so so i i have another question to both of you which is so why do you think uh, like say mystics and religious people are so trigger happy and they want to co-opt these jargons from science so what exactly leads them to like like you could think of religion as as being an institution on its own right why does it need to co-opt terms from science to so often like what what drives them to do that uh one word sophistry if you have been following the um, any recent um, culture war issue like in the us you can uh, let let's say uh, trans rights providing trans uh, trans affirmative medic- uh, medical care to uh, teenagers abortion uh, access if you've seen and anyone who opposes uh, this kind of um, medical access uh, to people whose existence has to be uh, kind of uh, challenged we 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 see that uh, um, there is a reliance on uh, on trying to say that there are xyz uh, scientists there are xyz medical professionals there are xyz um, uh, researchers whose work has shown that our conservative republican position is the correct one and the moment you try to uh, question it the moment you try to look at the at the i, I know that this is about uh, religious people and mystics but i think uh, republican conservatives fall under that category so yeah, let me add this here we we see that uh, that, that it's very easy for someone who's operating with the same in- information as a as like a cons- religious conservative to refute them right but they are not arguing with us they, their objective is not to convince us that they have a better understanding of the data and the analysis and the conclusions than someone who is uh, who is doing this for a living their job is to provide a certain aura of credibility to whatever position that they are taking which people who have the same uh, ideology as them will buy so if there is a shred of doubt in someone who is a conservative listener listening to uh, like a culture war debate that person will feel satisfied by this semblance of uh, of of scientific thought and therefore they will you know use this uh, in order to uh, decide how they are going to vote so it's a it's a matter of uh, sophistry and it's not really a matter of uh, questioning uh, the science just to add to uh, aditya's uh, question i mean why do religious people and mystics so often resort to using i mean jargon of science i would just say it's just to uh, gain some credibility points right because the thing is we all experience science and its uh, and its effects on our lives on a daily basis right so when you go when you when you have a disease let's say you go to a doctor the doctor prescribes you a medicine and that medicine cures you you know that it works and if you want you can also look at the proof it's the, uh, which is there so basically the bottom of your hearts that you know that there are some things that are really legitimate and the proof is always available but when it comes to the the jargons or the sermons you can say anything you want without 
having to like give any proof and if you are asked for it it's very difficult for you to like produce any any empirical data da- uh, data to like uh, support whatever you are claiming so the thing is just throw in a few words of science right because science is going to do the job for you just because that is going to make yeah, you legitimate that is uh, you say energy you say medicine you say things like whatever you comes in your mind quantum physics and then just get lost in the vagueness of all of it so while also making it legitimate that's what I for for sure and um, i i hate bringing evo psych into uh, evolutionary psychology into any discussion so uh, sorry for this but um, like th- there are there is a claim uh, that can be made uh, uh, like at least uh, something that's less problematic than uh, some of the other uh, work produced by uh, that field uh, there, there we we do think a lot about about our evolutionary uh, uh, desire for trying to establish causality and uh, try to find uh, explanations for uh, the observe uh, phenomena that we observe uh, as humans and uh, yeah like if science is uh, in that sense a nice rhetoric tool which can uh, which can be used uh, in order to explain things so you know it's not enough to just say ki i randomly you know fell it's it's more it makes more sense to say that you know the the concept of the evil eye has been explored by a b c d e scientists you know except they use this word for it and my my neighbor did this uh, you know looked at me funny yesterday and that's why today i fell while uh, walking and uh, uh, this is a, of course a parody example but like ye ye issue to hai ki hame हमने ये हमेशा देखा है कि कि साइंस जो है इसकी हाईजैकिंग एक इट्स पार्ट एंड पार्सल ऑफ ऑफ डूइंग साइंस हर बार जब जब कोई साइंटिस्ट बेचारा दस साल पांच साल काम करके पेपर रिलीज करता है एंड इन इनवेरेबली व्हेन दिस व्हेन देयर वर्क रीचेस द मार्केट प्लेस ऑफ आइडियाज देर विल बी लाइक एट और टेन यू नो पब्लिकेशन हुईक वेगली साइंस लाइक द बस फीड स्टाइल ऑफ साइंस कम्युनिकेशन uh they will inevitably pick this up and package it in a way that is interesting to their audience and once they do that then a sadguru esque figure will try to figure out uh, how they can sell more copper rings uh, using uh, some latest paper that came out uh, to show that wearing a copper ring produces good vibration and therefore like you should give him 3000 rupees for inner engineering uh, course uh, and he, man this it it it, it just it, it is uh, it's a uh, it's insane uh, how this happens the, the the term inner engineering itself uses something which is popular which is again a jargon because the engineering degree is such a popular science stem degree in india the inner engineering just uses that and sells something else entirely right and i wanted to build on that parody idea of buri nazar wala <laughs> so how would a scientist approach this like how would you so i think a good good experiment good illustration would be say you have this hypothesis ki meri padosi ne buri nazar dala to main accident ho gaya mera theek hai now agar isko main seriously lu to how would you approach this so scientifically if you were to just test this out 
you would then ask this question you would need like multiple first of all multiple such observations and see ki wo same auntie uncle ne kitno pe bura nazar dala matlab kitno ke bare mein bura bola and have all of them resulted in accidents i think that is how you test right so so every scientific outcome in a min, in many ways is probabilistic and which is why you need these confidence intervals to to say whether it is statistically significant or not so just because i have one hit doesn't really mean anything which is why one classical example was from last year coronial versus versus say an actual how a actual aditya before you go uh, with the coronial example i just want to say that before you will you will have to define in your hypothesis what a buri nazar is right right so that in itself is a very difficult job so like that is where like the entire methodology is so diffi- uh, important like right? you have to define hmm. it very clearly in terms which can be testable so you have to define buri nazar as long and as soon as you do that i mean some things will just answer your question like uh, automatically But, right what is science what is padosi ke mere bare mein bura bolna does it qualifies buri nazar by itself or does there have to be an associated ritual that is to be performed for it to qualify as buri nazar yeah. so these kind of specifics will start coming in because the and uh, then you exactly. also have to have a measurable outcome in some sense a testable outcome in which in this case probably is ki accident hua ya nahi hua like it could be a binary outcome it could be an outcome which has multiple different outcomes so again all of this falls into as opposed to just claiming something you can still make uh, those correlation graphs you know mm-hmm. like let's define buri nazar as just wishing ill about somebody right and then if you wish ill kya uska accident hota hai ki nahi hota hai every time and then then you do your uh, statistical testing ki every time did you do that did that happen or not just as a correlation kind of a thing i think even that wouldn't uh, <laughs> uh, i mean support the hypothesis ki buri nazar lagne se बारिश हो गया ये तो मेड डिपार्टमेंट वालों ने क्या फालतू चीज किया है तो हवा में बोलते हैं विच इज नॉट ऑलवेज अ केस राइट 20 परसेंट चांस ऑफ रेन इज अ फाइनाइट प्रोबेबिलिटी ऑफ देयर बीइंग रेन टुडे जस्ट दैट यू हैपन टू हैव दैट वन इवेंट आउट ऑफ 100 इवेंट्स में वो 20 यू हैपन टू चांस अपॉन इट सो इट्स इंटूटिवली यू डू नॉट थिंक ऑफ थिंग्स दिस वे यू यू आर ट्यून टू थिंकिंग अबाउट थिंग्स इन लाइक येस और नो बाइनरीज सो सो दिस प्रोबेबिलिटी प्रोबेबिलिस्टिक एक्सप्लेनेशन डजंट रियली Yeah. it's not very easy to we, we, yeah build a taste towards you need to understand that science is durable but also tentative at the same time so it's 
बोध थिंग्स गो अलॉन्ग इट्स नॉट लाइक बोल दिया होगा सलमान खान नहीं है ये वन लास्ट एग्जाम्पल वो जो जो पॉटरी का वट एवर यू सेड राइट सो यू वुड सिंपली इवन देर द वे यू वुड नो इट इज रीजनेबली डिसेंट साइंस इज दैट दे वुड पुट एन एक्यूरेट नंबर कि पंद्रह अक्टूबर नाइन हंड्रेड एडी को हुआ था ये वैसा नहीं बोलेगा कोई दे जस्ट डेटेड बाई अ सर्टन रेंज राइट लाइक ये थ्री हंड्रेड ईयर्स का ये कोई टाइम पीरियड होगा वेरी ऑफन इट्स लाइक अ फाइव थाउजेंड ईयर पीरियड सो दैट्स हाउ पीपल डेटेड दैट इज ऑलवेज दैट डिग्री ऑफ प्रोबेबिलिटी बिल्ट इन लाइक like vagueness and the doubt built in a recent example like some something uh, this is uh, we are recording this on wednesday october 5th and uh, i believe in the last uh, uh, the last two days there was an, a very interesting uh, paper that got published on on pinas um, uh, called the scientific value of numerical measurings uh, sorry measures of human feelings and uh, no disrespect to the authors uh, i i, I uh, it does look like a very serious longitudinal study yeah. and they, <laughs> they they did some they, you know they n is pretty high and i i respect their work uh but uh, of course academic twitter being academic twitter looked at this paper and realized that the respected uh, economists who um, who wrote this paper basically uh, took the idea of the likert scale which has been used in the uh, domain of uh, social sciences and psychology for quite a while right repackaged it re renamed it relabeled it and gave it like a ben shapiro esque twist and called it uh, called mm. the called a acceptable idea the feelings integers and wrote a whole paper as if they had discovered something and i i think i think this is where uh, like it's very important to always yeah. expand uh, the idea of science to more than the limited scope of what one is doing kyunki jab hum जब हम बहुत नैरो फोकस लेके चलते हैं तो हमारे साथ ये एक दिक्कत होती है कि कोई आइडिया जो किसी और रेल में काफी एक्सेप्टेड हो उसको वी मेक इट साउंड लाइक लाइक इट्स समथिंग दैट्स नेवर बीन डन बिफोर एंड दिस दिस their uh, scientific study has found that uh, a feelings integer like my happiness is x out of 10 i'm quoting here has more predictive power than a collection of socio economic influences wow like and this is not new discovery at all moreover there is a clear link between these feelings numbers and uh, later get me out of here actions finally feelings to action relationship appears replicable and not too far from linear uh remarkably therefore humans somehow manage to uh, choose their numerical answers in a systemic way as though they sense within themselves and can communicate a reliable numerical scale for their feelings okay now i would like to point out that <laughs> the reason why this is has been interesting is because the the people who wrote this paper are not able to understand why a lay human being an average human being uh is able to quantify their feelings and map their feelings on to something that they use every day to quantify something else so people are able to count money people are able to count uh, objects people are able to use their hands to you know try to assess how big how small how heavy how light and the fact that uh, they are able to uh, domain transfer this ability uh, to something that is supposedly magical like feelings has surprised these scientists and i think this is a great uh, example of uh, what happens when when we 
uh, when we try to uh, consider science to be too niche or too inaccessible from from the average uh, human go ahead vatsal so this reminds me of a very again an important tenet of science which is uh, being skeptic so skepticism is so important and like even though some uh, study has been published in an article uh, in a journal which is very well reputed and everything and it has been through multiple rounds of peer review i'm guessing but you still have to ask questions and you still have to be like uh, uh, n- not take everything at face value so everything and that's how science builds right so just like everything you just said that was not taking whatever was published on face value and believing it but you posed questions on whatever the hypothesis and whatever the findings of the uh, the authors of that paper was and maybe you were able to find out there were that there were some gaps that they did not look at or they did not define things uh, properly so if you do that then it would come up you would come up with a hypothesis which is much better much inclusive and as more real world i don't know applications whatever but just basically builds on the existing knowledge so just wanted to highlight that now that that is a great point and i think uh, it it ties in so well with uh, like uh, so, so. if if, um, uh, if i don't know if both of you were required to take classes in your discipline um, that uh, taught you about the history of your discipline and how um, theorization and hypothesis testing happens within your dis- discipline but uh, and like one of the classes that i've taken where where we talk about builders and destroyers like very 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 binary i know but uh, it's essentially this idea that that scientific inquiry like uh, I, i would limit the scope to my field but uh, has has people who uh, you know are building and upon existing uh, theories and foundations and people whose work is effectively going to destroy an existing assumption and in within the space of builders and destroyers uh, you have uh, like new ideas uh, come up and uh, the field uh, you know moves ahead or gets disrupted as the case may be sometimes uh, like in this process of building and destroying like it it is so important to <laughs> make sure that uh, our work has a certain element of uh, collaborativeness like where we are checking with people uh, you know hey i am saying this uh, do you think that uh, ha- do you know any of any examples where this has been done before like uh, you know is there any uh, real world example where this might be intuitive to people and can i as a scientist make sure that my work is uh, sufficiently described with detail uh, in such a way that a some from some other uh, you know outside uh, you know with their own agenda doesn't take over this and say are ye to ye to mere mere uh, religion ne ya mere cult ne 10000 saal pehle bola tha like now scientists are like uh, taking what we said and they are you know they are getting more clout than us because they are doing science and like i think i think we might have to like seriously reevaluate how we how we present our uh, our ideas and and our work to avoid these kinds of very obvious pitfalls well, historically i think a lot of this stems from this fact that people used to work in silos right chemists physicists biologists natural scientists social scientists all of them used to work in their 
own silos and as a result what happened is that when you have a theory in one field and probably like something which is very fundamental to one field never percolates through to another field so for example i'll quote an example from my own discipline so i work in this area of protein folding and protein biophysics loosely right protein biophysics essentially looks at proteins as these specific molecules in biology but but what we often forget is that proteins are polymers like any other polymers all albeit with their own quirks but there there exists this field of polymer physics which has existed for the past 100 years and a lot of the fundamentals of how polymers behave is already known science like it's it's a known field of physics it's only more recently in the last 30 40 years that these ideas from polymer physics the physical ideas have started translating into protein biology so i don't know if you uh, recently read about this news of something known as alpha fold uh, something which gained popularity recently yeah, yeah. I, i use it very often uh, like protein structure prediction tool essentially so all of these translational value in science only comes through when you have collaborators so i'll just end quoting one example from <clears throat> work of fiction which is unlikely like from the first jurassic park novel right so so there is this assumption so all models have a certain set of assumptions and and they are true within a bunch of assumptions okay and the mom- and if you make the wrong assumptions your entire theory falls flat so what happens in this novel is that uh, we all know this entire premise of jurassic park right so they clone dinosaurs and then they have them in a park and then they have the very first book you have these bunch of environmental impact assessment folks who just come in and they have to given assessment of how safe this park is to be open to the public so they have this one mathematician a couple of paleontologists which is played by uh, jeff goldblum in the movie essentially the, the chaos theorist right in the movie so the reason why the book is so brilliant is that it dwells with delves into these ideas so the biologists in the park the the, the molecular biologists there their argument is that the dinosaurs on in the island cannot breed okay and this is the assumption that they set out to begin with because we breed all the animals female so they don't they can't reproduce essentially and in order to prove this point they have uh, the set of uh, image recognition engineers on the park where they look at uh, just camera footage and they keep track of how many animals they have and that and the coder there has starts off with this assumption that there can't be more than 232 individual animals on the island so they keep looking at so so when these people come in so this ian malcolm character says uh, how many animals do we have in the park how do you know how do you know there aren't more than uh, they don't breed so he says just put in this number 232 there are 232 232 animals on the island so the camera traces only 232 but then he says have you tried putting in a number which is greater than 232 and he says like just can you just try putting in 250 and he says 250 like 250 animals found so essentially the the way the code was written is so you put in a number and it will tell you if those many animals were found so it built into this the entire initial assumption that someone else told them that they cannot breed so instead of testing that they just assumed that to be true so essentially a lot of our models in some sense would benefit from actually talking to someone who would then tell you okay there is this possibility that 
something else might breed that something else could go wrong like which one scientist or one individual just trained in one discipline may not always intuitively see and that often comes in from someone actually mapping something they know onto a different field that has a completely a, a whole lot of value on that note of uh, like uh, trying to <laughs> understand uh, finding um, trying to find value um, outside of uh, the immediate academic minds involved in it uh have both of you heard the recent uh, news uh regarding uh the indian government uh, discontinuing over uh, 300 uh, scientific awards uh because they are not convinced that these awards are given out uh, to quote really deserving candidates and did you see the sadism in all of that it came out on a day the vatnagar award is supposed to be announced. so <laughs> it's in youtube clickbait terms a tight slap right yeah my condolences first off to uh, any uh, ac- academic who was uh, awaiting the bhatnagar awards news potential bhatnagar yeah. award winner we believe in you and uh, you don't need an award from like uh, a- an indian government to prove your worth but it must be so discouraging right true uh, yes uh, so just to go over the facts uh, so this is a print report uh which uh, we will link to the show notes uh where uh the first of the ministry of home home affairs uh clearly the most uh, important uh, the, the ministry that uh, that should be telling us everything about science uh has proposed instituting a nobel uh, nobel prize like award called the vigyan ratna in the future okay nobel gas prize <laughs> <laughs> right uh, so yeah there would be it would be open to scientists of all disciplines uh, there would be a principal scientific advisor uh, okay so far uh, fine i uh, if this was the end of the news that would be good but uh, this uh, this happens uh, at the same time as uh, a delay in uh, in the announcement of the shanti swarup bhatnagar award right um, now this award is given by the csir which uh, which funds a lot of uh, interesting research you know I, i i was under the impression that this is a this is a competent authority for giving out awards but apparently not right so uh, the, the india's uh, science minister uh, has uh, said that uh, csir will have a they will do a celebration of eight decades of foundation and there are going to be new commemorative activities and prizes okay and after this meeting uh, there was a there was a chunk of discontinued pri- uh, prizes from the department of science and technology again i thought this would be a competent authority for giving out prizes but no uh, there seem to be 207 uh, of the department's 211 awards which are uh, which which might be going away again uh, this is from the from the minutes of the meeting so uh, it's possible that things may be different by the time this episode comes out uh there is um, yeah there are six awards uh, from the department of uh, scientific and um, industrial research three from the department of earth sciences 13 from health and family welfare 34 from the department of health research which are also going away and um it all ties back to the prime minister's uh, vision quote of making uh, the awards and awardees very restrictive and keeping a transparent selectional process there is a the the uh, guidelines are uh, going to be uh, released by the home ministry 
and not the department of science and technology and and this includes uh, private endowment awards this includes uh, fellowships uh, this includes uh, scholarships and internal awards so we probably should we, we should be quite worried but, but why uh, ministry of home affairs because i i have read this on twitter like all good knowledge <laughs> comes from so one person said that uh, all science is national uh, matter of national security so the home affairs is the right department to deal with so so i think the answer is pretty self evident department of science kya karega abhi फंड साइंस साइंस करने से काम रखेगा बट होम अफेयर्स इज द वन हु हैज टू लाइक ड्यू डिलीजेंस दे हैव टू डू लाइक आर यू डूइंग डेंजरस थिंग्स फॉर नेशनल सिक्योरिटी सो व्हिच या व्हिच टाइज लाइक देयर आर रिपोर्ट्स कमिंग आउट अबाउट वेरियस सोशल साइंसेस पीएचडीज बीइंग हेविली सेंसर्ड फॉर फॉर द पर्पसेस ऑफ सबमिशन ऑफ थीसिस uh while being uh, the language of the same uh, research being completely different for international publication where our academics okay. don't feel the same compuls- uh, compulsion so essentially uh this is uh, it's it's even though the the ambit here is a uh, quote uh, science awards uh it's it's all, it also includes nursing awards uh, it it's also it also includes awards uh, for health uh, services um public health uh, for example there are uh, awards uh, that are given by the national medical council which are being taken away uh so uh yeah like um some of it like the, again like the the language here is of uh, the government attempting to um do away with court nepotism right but uh, we are seeing things being taken away but we are not seeing things being uh, replaced and again like the, taking control away from departments which which are supposed to be uh, for a particular purpose and now all of this being centralized to like one department like one nation one department one nation i don't i don't know man <laughs> one nation no science so but yeah again so while people might want to be optimistic about it i am not so optimistic because none of it can be viewed outside the framework of everything that has been happening in society over the last decade or so right just the anti science attitude towards everything like lack of critical thinking like trying to place the ayush ministry at the center of pandemic management like advising people to to go for alternative therapies towards something which is so novel as covid so all of this cannot be viewed outside of everything that has been happening so far so i just see this as a logical progression and i don't see anything good coming out of it to be very honest i i don't there might be some new new awards that get that get initiated sometime in the next few years but i see that going to quacks as well so like like how the idea of who is a doctor like they allowed uh, homeopathics and ayurvedics to do surgery for example they wanted to open that up so for example it will just reduce rigor rather than introduce even more layers of rigor to so exactly i mean i think uh... i see it as a like as an effort to like police mm. 
what science is good and what science is not good. So now the funding is going to go through channels only to uh, uh, politically motivated uh, scientific agendas. I mean, uh, like Ming mentioned, I mean, well, there is so much uh, uh, like political science and humanities where there might be uh, ideas that are not, uh, I mean, uh, quote unquote, uh, dangerous ideas that need to uh, be looked into and um, studied, they will not be funded anymore. Like one more attempt to squash uh, free thinking. That that's basically that's it. Yeah, like uh, the there. Are, I mean, I would be concerned about uh, like uh, the cash awards, the uh, sti- uh, the stipends. Um, and, you know, the some of these could be opportunities for uh, uh, for uh, upcoming uh, scientists or you know senior scientists who are uh, bogged down by administrative duties to find a way to continue doing research and. I am not suggesting here that the current system is is perfect and is free from uh, bias and uh, free from um, nepotistic tendencies. Uh, however, like this is just another like, like let's destroy everything first, and hoga to hoga, and and we saw this. This is. I don't know if this is a strategy which which is successful now in in this interim period where people are not sure uh, what's going to happen um, to uh, funding sources. Uh, what's how are uh, what does Indian Academia offer you then? Uh, while uh, while all of these uh, in in this period of flux, like what what is what's going to be there for for any Indian academic to aspire for? I I want to like just ask uh, because none of us actually are doing science in India, so maybe we should like get somebody who is actually doing science in India. I, I did for a really long time. Yeah, me me too. Like I you know. I mean, right now, I also did, but right now, who is like. Uh, I don't know if they would like to even That's see the thing, right? So because because uh, your survival in science and in academia in India so heavily depends on being funded from the by the government, which is why you'll often find Indian academics being very quiet. Not that there aren't people who subscribe to these ideas, but even outside of that, you will find them being quieter than their Western counterparts, for sure. Yeah, and we spoke about this like in our previous episode right like the power structures that exist in indian academia they're so deep and so out of reach that somebody who is at the receiving end is basically just like standing there with uh, hands folded in front of you and then everything every power like or uh, it all resides with people who are sitting on top behind those benches who have no Uh, anecdotes aren't everything but i have a personal anecdote about how these things get handled right so we have these conference travel grants right which different agencies give you so there used to be this one grant from iit itself which would fund you which is the easiest grant to get because it gets processed the fastest then you have dbt csir dst and all of that icmr so icmr's grants got done away with very quickly uh post 2014-15 
CSIR grants became selective. DBT was easy to get. So, so, so I my PhD spanned either side of this term tenure, right? This this regime. So, twenty sixteen when I went for a came to a conference in the US. So the DBT uh, approval letter for the conference when they are willing to fund you. So you get so typically how it works is you the agency tells you okay we are willing to fund you. So you you file for you apply for these grants. They tell you they'll they'll give you the grant and then you use that to get uh, an advance payment from your institute and then you travel and then you come back. The money comes back and the institute gets it back from DBT right. So, so the letter from DBT says that we'll reimburse you within, the commitment is to reimburse it within 90 days. So that's how it is supposed to be. When I came back from the travel, IIT had already given me the money, but DBT wasn't releasing the money at all. Like, it's like seven months down the line. I have to now, I'm at a point where I have to submit my thesis and to get your thesis, you have to pay all your dues right so this is in in principle a due till dbt gives the money back to the institution and so i had to go through like multiple hoops and then i wrote to the uh, so there is this grievance portal that i wrote to prakash javadekar directly the mhrd minister at that point and i got a response mm-hmm. saying that we have an award-winning grievance portal why don't you have- <laughs> And I have that Bought. email. Oh. Why don't Why don't you mail? Why don't you write this there? So I wrote there, and I got a response saying, uh, "DBT hasn't received the money from the uh, allocated to it in this year's budget, which is why the money hasn't been released." And when I spoke about this to one of the faculty members in my department, that person said, "Yeah, yeah so off late, DBT had this uh, new head." So who is this lady who joined right now? She is the problem. Things have gotten slower after that. So people will attribute these reasons to everything but systemic issues. Like they'll attribute it to a person. Like as if a person being the head of a department just changes everything dramatically. Yeah, yeah I could I could talk about my CSIR uh, um, and uh, dip, uh, university funding woes, but... Uh... That would be a whole episode. So so imagine having to like go through all of this, like uh, your thesis is on the line and then you have to pay back like a significant chunk, right? Having to travel internationally. It's a lot of money for a PhD. So, yep. Yep. And you, you undertook the travel on the basis that you will be funded entirely. And then once you come back, the money isn't being released. It's very stressful like at the best of times. It is no surprise that Indian academics prefer to stay silent. On uh, on that note, uh, I think we should um, uh, uh, end uh, this episode. Uh, we'd like to uh, like like most uh, of the episodes that we are a fan of. Um, uh, we are considering a recommendations uh, section, and so uh, as as uh, cool uh, and amazing academics uh, uh, you know we all i'm sure we have amazing books that we're reading so um aditya what's your recommendation for our hypothetical audience so the recommendation for this week is i'm reading something called as the equations of life how physics shapes evolution so so it's an interesting take on like because we are talking about intersectionality and translating skills right so something that we forget about how life evolved on earth and we often talk about these days it's popular to talk of like 
translocating everyone to mars like the uh, the elon muskian dream so very often we forget that all life on earth evolved within the boundaries of all physical constants that apply to earth like the uh, how gravity works on earth shaped how cells are how plants can then grow and everything depends on all of these fundamental equations of physics and many of these quantities changing would change how life itself is perceived so everything is not very linearly translatable from yahan se utha ke wahan it's not like changing houses on the planet essentially so it's interesting to get this this perspective of how like a lot of these physical constants and how physics itself shapes how life evolves essentially so uh thank you uh, that does sound very cool um watson <laughs> so I, i you both make me feel like i should read more about my own uh, 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 scientific field but like the thing that i'm reading these days it's uh, more to get away from science and it's uh, it's a book called black shirts and red so uh, it's more like a communist manifesto but adapted to our times and uh, it's a book by uh, michael parent so uh, academics can relate to it because uh, it's very often that in a capitalist uh, uh, setup um, a university academia uh, uh, employee does not thrive very well so maybe read that but next time i'll come Uh, with more uh, recommendations of my own field. Actually, I, I, I mean, thought, I thought we are supposed to re- recommend something in the field of science. Oh, I, I got that wrong. Okay. Oh. <laughs> no, I don't know. That's why I was saying that. I, I recently I didn't read much. Oh. That was out of my own academic. Oh, so papers. no, no. I, I'm actually, I actually misunderstood it as just recommending something that you're reading around. Okay. No. Uh, I, I, I I mean I didn't I didn't uh, this idea that uh, somebody who okay. practices science for a living uh, has to only read uh, uh, scientific books is ridiculous so like yeah. uh, we, we all I I mean it's very easy to look at a lot of our academic uh, concerns and uh, decide that you know uh, big government is the problem for uh, for a lot of our uh, woes and hey if we, if we abolish big government uh, then and we privatize uh, everything then uh, things would be great so yeah like the reading more about uh, like the alternatives to uh to the situation that we find ourselves in in today is, is always useful and i have a lot of other things i would like to recommend but not on the podcast yeah of course <laughs> <laughs> of course <laughs> right uh, so i i am reading uh, i i like to um, i'm reading a book called uh, the dawn of language uh, it's it's a, it's a swedish book uh, written by swerker uh, johansson i hope i'm saying that right uh the dawn of language how we came to talk and it's been translated from swedish to english by frank perry and um uh it's a it's 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 a book that communicates uh the ideas of language and linguistics uh, to a non academic um audience i think uh, that's the pers- that's I've, i've only gone through the first couple of chapters here uh a lot of it is uh, i think uh, it's it's a very nice uh, presentation of the ideas that uh, many of us kind of uh, zone into too much so uh, for me it's it's been really good to kind of uh, zoom out and uh, get a sense of how to communicate 
why linguistics exists as a field to non uh, non linguists and at this point uh, i'd like to mention that uh, like if if you're an international academic and your uh, institute offers you interlibrary loans and uh, you know can uh, buy books on your recommendation then i i hope that you would go ahead and utilize this feature uh, this library key library service and uh, order lots of books uh, my personal fave strategy is to uh, look at how much library fees i pay per semester and make sure that the amount of money uh, that that uh, is spent on acquisition and uh, interlibrary loans exceeds the amount of fees that i have to pay uh, so <laughs> it's a great benchmark and i hope uh, you do too <laughs> yes and on that note we are the desi academia podcast uh, you can hear us on all the major uh, platforms uh, if you think we are interesting uh, tweet at us uh, talk to us uh, you know uh, offer us Follow suggestions us <laughs> if you'd like to connect with us uh, we we hope you you will uh, you will do so and uh, uh, thank you like share subscribe <laughs>